Big Podcast. It's Build the Big Podcast, the marketing podcast for podcasters. If you want to grow your audience, make people care about your message, make people care about your podcast, reach more people, make more impact, you are in the right place. Bigpodcast.com is the website. I've got some similar resources there for you. So if you want episode templates, some guides on how to grow your audience, go there right now. They're free. Bigpodcast.com. On this episode, talking about specialty podcasting conferences. There are a ton of them. You probably heard of a few of them. But in general, how deep this goes is something you might not be aware of because unless you're in that specific niche or genre, you probably won't hear about the related conference. And let me give you an example of that. I've got a broadcast radio show. It's called Music Business Radio. It is about the music industry. It is about the behind the scenes workings of the music business. It's also a podcast. And there's a specialty podcasting conference for people in music podcasting, not just talking about the business of music like I do, but talking about different genres, rock and roll, metal. And I'll tell you how deep this goes. Sometimes you'll see podcasts about a specific band or a specific time period for that band. And there is a conference specifically for that, specifically for people in music podcasting. It's called Rock and Pod. It happens in Nashville every year. It's a pretty big deal for people in music podcasting. Several hundred people attend. At the last one, I moderated a panel with Matt Penfield, Mark Goodman, and Ricky Rackman. You probably know them from their time on MTV. That's what we talked about. The last four years of MTV, formerly known as music television, (laughs) and how music journalism has changed there over the years. One of the bigger specialty conferences you've probably heard of, it's called She Podcast. Let me give you a description from the site. She Podcast Live offers women and non-binary audio creators a chance to learn and experience the podcasting community and environment created just for them. We focus the education, the social interaction, and even the aesthetic on these attendees. And it makes a big difference in how She Podcast Live feels from other conferences. We're proud of creating a conference where everyone feels safe to stand up during a session and ask questions without feeling judged. This just happened in Scottsdale, Arizona. I didn't go because it's not made for me, but it may be made for you. And even if it's not, there are some things about this event that will be of benefit to you, especially if you're like me and you do live events or you do a niched podcast. Even if you're just a general podcaster, the elements of really knowing your audience, that is important. So what I've done is I've talked to somebody who was there. Jenny Wren runs the Podcasters Forum, and this is our conversation about She Podcasts Live, as well as live events in general getting back on the bike after almost 18 months of no podcasting events. Here's my conversation with Jenny Wren talking about She Podcasts. I wanted you in here because one guy that I knew went to She Podcasts. I didn't think he was the guy to ask about a female conference, majority female. What would you say the gender ratio is at an event like this? This one was 98%, I would say. It was mostly females, mostly women. Yeah, for women's events, 100%. I love it when guys are there, but yeah, it was, I would say, 98% women. I think it's good that men are supportive of women in podcasting, but at the same time, I think that part of that support is letting women have their space to do something like this, and sometimes that means standing back, not going. There's places for both of it, and as things go on, I want to see more men in these kinds of spaces because I think that it 
is very positive to have those conversations in women's spaces. It is one of those elements where, like, even if men were around, I wanted to be around women, especially this particular round, since we had not had any of that kind of relationship in a really long time. Because it always does need to be female first in these, you know, and there is a need for having female spaces where we have that comfort level, absolutely, to just be ourselves. Well, let's take it back almost two years ago now, to the last podcasting event that you went to. Which was that? The last podcasting event I went to was PodFest. So in Orlando, as we saw the world collapsing around us, I want to say it was like during that week, there were like four of them that were canceling. And by the end of it, we were all like, see you on the other side. It was a really weird feeling because you could see the people who were working at the hotel. You could see their mood dropping because things were getting canceled left and right. Once the beginning started of the cancellations, everything else went down with it. Once you get the big guys, the little guys are like, we're not going to do that then. Like just this big sense of like indecision and unknown that completely changed changed game plans. It definitely changed mine. Yeah, I was down there and I remember going down, seeing about two people on the plane wearing a mask because we knew about COVID-19 coming through. And I thought, what are you guys doing? You're scaring the hell out of people. And getting down there, hearing about South by Southwest, which I used to go to, like you, I was in the music industry for a number of years. So probably been there 15 times at least. And I knew what a big deal it was when that happened because that's never been canceled, not even during the dot-com years when there was no money, that money dried up. But yeah, when we came back, I remember a completely different experience of hand sanitizers and everybody was a little bit nervous, glad to get back. What has happened uh, since then? Did you just decide to take off? Because I know for me, it was kind of a wait and see attitude, but also kind of mentally prepared just to not go anywhere for a while. It's funny because I had been on the road pretty much constantly for the previous six months. And uh, I ground down because that's what we did. I was wild. The reason I asked that question is I'm curious about going to She Podcast. Were you nervous about getting back on the road, taking flights, seeing a bunch of people at once? They call it cave syndrome. Absolutely. Something to know about the West Coast. We're pretty ground down. Like Things were not open even a couple of months ago, particularly when the Delta variant came in, there was starting to be events again, and then they all got shut down again, which was really hard on musicians. And at that point, things are kind of starting to open up, but it's still a wait and see. And there is a lot of apprehension. So there was kind of a double-edged side of it. First of all, for my comfort level, I haven't been around people much in two years. Uh, the Pandemic was extremely traumatic for me and my experience, and uh, if uh, it, very much so, and, and to the point that like I've completely changed my life in the last seven months because of how it affected me. And it's been a very positive experience for me in post, but it was a very, very, very challenging experience for me in it. What that meant going back into it was a do what is the feeling around that, and do I feel comfortable going back into a space, especially somewhere like Arizona? Do I want to do this? Am I ready to be around people? <laughs> Even that element of it. I was very, very unsure if I was going to go. I wanted to. I knew that it was going to be positive for me, but there was also this element of like, can I do this? And I sat there and I, I spent a lot of time like meditating and thinking on it. And I said to myself, I have to move on with my life. It's time for me to be a part of the world again. And I cannot 
just sit and live in the fear that has been a part of my existence for many years. But like very much it was time for me to say, okay, I'm going to take that step and I'm going to do the things to protect myself while I'm there. And it really helped me when they decided to do vaccine requirements or the the pre-test. Let's talk about that for a second because I talked about that on my sister podcast in that Jessica was really clear This is Jessica Kupferman, who runs the She Podcast. And I was surprised because we do events here in Nashville. And some of the organizers are like, well, you know, we can't really ask. You know, we can't. They're trying to be nice. Yeah. And I think Jessica was fine. She was nice and she was professional. But she was very clear that she wanted you to be vaccinated and she wanted to have a safe event, which I was impressed by it. That wasn't necessarily the first thing. It's not necessarily as easy in every state to make certain requirements and asks. For events in Portland, it did take even all of the bigger venues. It took a while. It wasn't immediate to be able to say that you have those requirements and to have those masks. If you look at it over a long time, sure, everyone would say it's within a week or two, but that's kind of a long delay when you really think about it. People are waiting for somebody to go first. Right. It's almost like the non-smoking clubs. They, they're and worried about business. Who, what people are going to say and how the reaction is going to be. Yeah. So I, I remember writing this long email and I'm like, I I don't even know how to put this, but like, I don't know that I feel comfortable if there's no restrictions. And eventually the vaccine restriction came in. I don't know how quick it was. I made the decision before that, but it was within a couple of weeks. So at first it was because part of it is that like, at least for the masks, I was like, where's the mask restriction? Right. It's like, you can't, you can't do that in the state of Arizona. They wouldn't allow that at the resort. Well, you can't do it without pushback. I think it was actually, that was, it wasn't even just the pushback. So, you know, you understand you have to work with certain places' mandates and yeah. understand that there are, this is a huge controversy. I've gotten more hate mail from people about just saying be safe than anything else, which shocks me. And I do understand everybody has to have their level of comfort. I don't want to come back home. I have friends who are elderly. I have friends of all ages that I see regularly. And my biggest fear would be to come back and to get them sick. That's my thing. To come back and have me be like, the would be like the worst feeling in the entire world. So I have to think about my community. That's what comes to me first. You know, my friends with kids and things like that. And especially because we don't have as much here and we haven't had as much, it is something where it would be a little bit more of an anomaly if, if I got it and came back. There isn't as much of the exposure as, you know, some spots. It was a long decision for me, but I did decide a co- like a couple months ago that I would do it. But it wasn't immediate. And the initial part, even about She Podcast Live, you know, some of those elements where they added in to, as they had conversations with folks to make things a little bit safer. So I'm really happy about how that all came together. Well, I want to talk about the plane because this is something that just happened to be it's a weird a twist of fate, I would say. Southwest canceled about half their flights a few days beforehand for whatever reason. And I know they go to Portland. I don't know if you're on a Southwest plane, but did you have any trouble getting to Arizona? Everyone's canceling flights. Uber is an issue. I had to wake up one of my roommates because three of my Ubers were canceled on the morning that I was trying to leave. It is not easy to travel right now because you know that things might cancel. You have to give yourself a lot of wiggle room and be understanding that like you might miss your flight, whether it's because you can't get there or if it's I will drive and keep my car there now. Like that is the thing I will do if it's a four day conference. I won't ever feel comfortable waiting on an Uber ever again after this. 
you know, it used to be the day that you bugged your roommates. Now you didn't bug your roommates. Now you have to bug your roommates again because you just can't trust <laughs> those ride shares. You know what I mean? It was like so great yeah. for years with ride shares. So you didn't have to harass your friends to get to the airport. But the positive is, is that it's like $15 a day and that's cheaper than catching an Uber. Like it was $70 to catch a lift in the morning and they didn't have any more rides than Uber did. Then once you get there, you might miss your flight. They might not exist or it might be a later one. So it can be frustrating when you're like, I finally get to go somewhere and then you don't. It wasn't a simple thing. And that's an everyday process now for flights where it used to be like at the holidays or with something happened. But now it's happening a lot. And every flight is very full. Let's talk about once you got there, did you find other people had the same issues getting there as well? Yeah, absolutely. I, I know that friends from LA talked about Uber shortages there. I didn't hear people who didn't get there where their flights were canceled. That's the That was the positive. Yeah. Uh, it seems that they were able to get there. But like any city, there's less flights in and out. So you have the options of the places that you do when you do. But once we settled in, we settled in, which was great. And it couldn't have been at a better place than a freaking resort. <laughs> you mentioned 98% women. So several women. How many people attend She Podcast? About 400. It was hard to even imagine that it was 400 because of the fact that it was kind of spread out. And right. there's the people that I knew that were just there who stayed at the resort. So I don't know how many stayed at the resort, but I was told that the attendance was 400 for live. And I don't know what the virtual was. 392 women and eight men, if you're <laughs> no. doing the math. And so it's not 98%. Let me fix that. There, <laughs> but I would say maybe there was about, I would say, but there weren't that many. So there was probably maybe that I can just count 20 to 30 men. I, I'm probably, I would I can give it a little bit more because I'm sure that there's just people I missed. Talk about the trade show because that's a big part of connecting with people. I've been to one event since the PodFest that you and I talked about. I went to a podcasting event here in Nashville called Rock and Pod that's specifically for music podcasters. And something I found out, and I'm 100% pro-mask, pro-vaccine, but it's tough to do this kind of thing with a mask. That was my experience. I'm, I'm curious what you thought about the trade show, how many people were masked up, what was it like connecting with people in a, a different way? I mean, I'll be honest, once we were there, especially since everybody was vaccinated, like I'm kind of separating myself from my household right now because you'd walk up to people and have them, but there was more like, do you feel comfortable hugging? But like most people at a certain point were not. We, we we allowed ourselves to relax a little. We re we did not wear masks all the time. I would be lying to say that was the case. So it became a very open event. So as far as connecting with people, it didn't really change from any other event that you would have had. Maybe somebody's got like the no hug sticker. We didn't wear masks. Once we were there, people didn't. And then there was, yeah, it was like, it was actually interesting because they had lanyards and I really liked this, that instead of a sticker, it was green, yellow, or red. So red, like stay away from me. So if people really wanted to like fully, so like one of, um, so for example, Demona Hoffman, she's uh, one of my really good friends, but she was also one of the keynote speakers. And Demona, you know, flies regularly around the US for um, corporate speaking gigs and then also for shows. So like she's the Drew Barrymore person. And so she has to get Get tested every two weeks she cannot get covid that's a huge huge thing or like if i was a mom i probably would have so like there's elements of that where if you wanted to you could be super separated but like me i was a yellow partly because i'm still getting used to people again then there was green where it's just like come on in 
because they were lanyards, they, it made it really obvious whether you felt comfortable with being touched yet or if you needed that ask, which was very, very nice. I appreciate that at events. But it wasn't a small sticker. It was very obvious because it was a <laughs> Well, yeah, because to take it back to PodFest, that was at the very beginning. I remember there were little bitty stickers. They existed. We didn't even know what we were doing, though. I remember one woman, I was in there giving a presentation, and she was, when we were passing around a microphone, holding it with a Kleenex. Like, nobody knew <laughs> what we were doing back then, and, and I guess we do now. I know, but right? We've, I uh, <laughs> we've been able to prepare. And it, it's interesting you were talking about testing all the time. Uh, Working in, in music, and then my wife works with a lot of folks flying in and out. She's a photographer. And a lot of these mm -hmm. guys, makeup artists, crew people, they literally are buying the rapid test in bulk because they have yeah. to take them so often. So people are trying to be safe. Everyone that I know on the road right now, like these massive tours, the people think people don't understand is just like how many, how much work it is, how stressful it is. Yeah, Everybody had been ready. So when it came down to it, it was fast because the whole production plans were together. There wasn't any question. It was already set up. The tour was there. We were just ready to plug in play. It is good to see people that I think are moving forward, like you said, this is one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you about it because, you know, boots on the ground, that's the way to get the information about how it was and how people are actually acting. And yeah. it's nice, I think, to see people who are responsible with it because I've certainly heard about events where they are not responsible or they leave it up to, well, the government said this, so therefore we're going to do this. And it's like, well, you know, I know as a live event organizer myself, I look at it as I'm responsible for the people that are coming to my events. And mm -hmm. I take that very seriously because I don't want that on my hands if something exactly. happens to you. So I was really happy to see that Jessica took such a firm stance at it. And she's one of yes, those people, some people are not. Some people just want to be light. Like, well, if it's convenient, you know, wear a mask. Let's talk about the panels. Let me ask you this. This is more of a she podcast versus he podcast type of thing. <laughs> Do you find that the panels at she podcast are different than an event like podcast movement or podfest? Well, I would actually say that the difference between them doesn't necessarily have to do with men and women. While always you're going to get um, a lean toward women's point of view in She Podcasts, I see the difference in each of those based on industry. So like I've been to every podcast movement except for the last one in the last six years, including Evolutions. Podfest, this was my first time. And then I've been to both She Podcasts. I would say some of it, you can see the age of them. So like podcast movement, it's notoriously difficult to speak there because they're always really pushing toward like industry. That's not as much in the case at Podfest or at She Podcasts. And She Podcasts, obviously Chris Crimsos, and um, I don't know, obviously, but Chris Crimsos helps Jessica a ton. Chris was there. The first She Podcasts, was modeled after PodFest, which is very indie podcaster focused. So there's a lot more ground. So like when you see one of Chris's events, you see a lot of the conversation around get your show out, do the thing, do the thing. That's very much Chris's message. Where in podcast movement and even she podcast now, it's a little bit more like, let's think, let's be intentional. Let's like put a little more planning into all of it. And you'll get that at PodFest. Um, but like it's the indie side. That's the big difference between like podcast movement, say, and PodFest. 
way less industry and a lot more of the people who are creating on the street, which is amazing. And she podcasts the people that were there, same thing. There weren't execs there. That's something that if I'm going to a podcast movement thing, I'm expecting to see. Right. It's corporate network, as you mentioned, and it's a different world than the majority of podcasters are living in. The smallness made it really amazing. It felt more like a retreat than even a conference because of the fact that like you could get intimate, you could have these closer conversations. There were just like really tight little circles of it was very, very warm. And, you know, when you have a giant hot tub pool that is just in the middle of the conference, like that can never be a bad thing in my head. (laughs) It was like also a little different this year because in past events, like especially at any of the other events, one of the fun things is like the events, right? I would say there were events, but it wasn't the same like emphasis on those that there would be at, that there were at other conferences where you get a bunch of people together and everybody's off there at this or that. It was definitely less focused on that. There wasn't the same like big event push or there weren't the same small meetup pushes. I feel like I didn't catch many meetups or go to any really where that was something that's always been a huge main part of my life at other conferences. I probably go to more meetups than anything else. And now it was it was a lot of smaller meetings. It was meeting up with people. It was even just like hanging around the pool, having conversations. And it was a different experience from person to person. So like, for example, for me, I felt more comfortable with this one, not feeling like I needed to be anywhere. And someone was like, is that because of you or is that because of the group? And I'm like, well, I did talk to people who felt there was something similar to that. But because of the sheer, like not the giant numbers, it it lent itself to that. It lent itself to the intimacy because while I always feel like I'm flitting from group to group, that's like part of me uh, is it's amazing to see so many people. I felt like I couldn't walk through a room and finish a text message because I was just like hugging another person. That was different than it would be like at another conference where it's like, you meet up what time? Yeah, where is it? You know, and having these quick meetings and the fastness of it, it allowed for things to settle down a little bit, allowed for things to feel calm. And for so many people, this was the first time they'd been out. This was the first time they'd gone to an event. This is the first time we danced. This is the first time we'd hung out with people in a group party setting in two years. And I think there is something that's always going to make this special because of that, because it wasn't a normal conference. It's hard to put this in the place of some of those other ones because it's just, it was a totally different situation. And I think it was the right location for it because it was something that, especially for women, this is where it comes down to. It's like, you know, the concept of, I guess, you know, the, the womb, but like, you know, that we felt like we could be comfortable in this space as we are now reemerging. And I, I feel a lot more comfortable being in other spaces because of it. Because it's weird being around people when you haven't been. Yeah, that's an interesting thing that you bring up. I know that there have been studies done about uh, segregated schooling by gender, saying that Mm -hmm. you see students, let's say high school students, for example, that from a very early age, women, I won't say they get overrun by men, or maybe they just let men take the lead, but women are more likely to speak up and do certain things in a gender segregated school So I think there's a real value there, especially for like a first time event. Yeah. If you do look at some of the panels and the panelists and everything, it's, you know, it's guys like me. It's middle-aged white guys. And uh, it's definitely, uh, there's not an underrepresentation of women at an event like this. Right. And, And I think one of the things that I would like to see is where it's great to be in groups like this. And it's great to have spaces that are just for women. I think sometimes what gets lost is that, oh, you guys have that and not quite remembering to integrate back. 
the other side of it so that women aren't just suddenly being like, oh, now we're just in the women's spaces because it's like we can we're we have that place in the other areas, but also to feel to still have us put women central, but have that be within men's spaces right? and have it be something that isn't seen as off putting because it's still how we interact in the world that I don't need to change who I am. And I think this is where it comes down to uh, when it, even when those, when you talk about uh, schools that are just for women and and how that is something. And part of it is because our society leans toward the masculine, there's just defaults, defaults that we go into in our normal human patterns. And the more that we can feel comfortable in being ourselves and in our careers, the more that we can feel comfortable being ourselves in our careers in co-spaces so that it doesn't feel like I'm just screaming out as a woman. I want to be able to have dialogue. Like I want to be able to work with men. I want men to be working with me, but I want them to hear me when I'm saying like, this doesn't make me feel comfortable instead of I think so often what happens is there's this fear of like, oh, when you're saying that, it means you're you think I'm blank. And it's like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm telling you where I'm coming from and let's continue the conversation. So how to be able to bring that forward is something that is a lifelong thing that changes over time. And that's why I do want more men in these spaces because I want them to experience that and to experience what it's like for women to feel really powerful and strong. But Without thinking it's just like all yah yah hood, even though there's a lot of that. <laughs> or they're being attacked. Men are fragile and emotional. Whoa, what a way to end. <laughs> That's not actually the end. We started to go a little bit deeper on the subject of podcast creation, how to create podcasts specifically for your audience, and also being open to other points of view, diversity in podcasting, and where media is going. I didn't want to include it here because the focus of this episode was about She Podcast. And we started going a little bit wider about some of the things that podcasters can do better when it comes to marketing towards specific audiences and being more inclusive. That is coming soon. If you're interested, let me tell you how to subscribe. Go to bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. You'll see this podcast there. Build a big podcast. It's black and white. And you will see three buttons, one for iPhone, one for Android, one with an RSS feed. Pick your poison. However you get your podcast. Press the link, get yourself subscribed, and never miss an episode. I'm here all the time, at least once a week, sometimes a couple times a week, talking about how to grow your audience, better spread your message, make people care about your message, make people care about you, and have impact with your podcast. That's bigpodcast.com slash subscribe to subscribe. And if you don't feel like going there, but you got a phone handy, let me give you the phone number. This will do the same thing. 615-488-4321. If you're in the United States, you can call that number anytime. 24 hours a day. I'll send you a text link back, let you subscribe easily with one click. 615-488-4321. So do that or go to bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Get hooked up. You'll hear the next part of this conversation and I'll see you on the next episode of Build a Big Podcast.